Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to the Beer Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Tandy, Katie, and Lisa. And today we're going to be continuing with our style series and covering porters. So if we could go around and say hello, as well as what we're drinking, we'll start with Tandy. Cool. Hello, everybody. Um, Yeah, so... This is, this is a tale of how I couldn't find a porter anywhere near me, um, mostly because I didn't try that hard, but also because there's just not that many around. So shout out to all the breweries. Please could we have a few more porters, um, especially somewhere in South County Dublin. That would be grand. Um, so I decided to pull a little bit of an irony trick, and you'll understand this fully as the episode goes on. But I've got a stout, and I've got a good old Guinness, but it's a Guinness original, so it's, a, it's an extra which is it's bigger and darker, I think. And I haven't had one for an age, so I just figured let's have a start instead, since they're kind of the same thing anyway. Cool. Does it, does it have a widget? No. No. No, oh, no widget. No. Oh, okay. No widget. It's not, it's, not, it's not a nitro, so it's got a bit of a rockier head than what hmm. typical Guinness has. And how about you, Katie? So I had planned, I had sourced a porter, <laughs> dark arts, but um, let's just say I'm a little bit worse for wear today. So I'm actually on the water, you know. <laughs> I could make up some shite like I have to bring the kids somewhere later. But no, let's call a spade a spade. And- <laughs> <laughs> Katie, it's all hair of the dog anyway. You, just, you know, it'll make oh. you feel better. <laughs> no, I just can't face it, right? <laughs> That's Sorry. fair enough. That's and- fair enough. You do you. <laughs> um, and Lisa, what are you drinking? So I have a uh, Western Herds Night Pod Vanilla Porter, uh, and this one is is actually one that started off as a homebrew competition winner, uh, working with McHugh's, uh, and David Mara won that. So if you if beer Twitter, uh, you know he, he's very much a stalwart on there, well the whiskey as well. So uh, good job Western Herd uh, and David. It's nice to see this uh, sort of commercially produced, and uh, I think it'll be good to talk about porters with things in them as well as what we'll call sort of more normal porters. So nice, uh, nice to find this. I had that one recently myself and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so today I am drinking Whiplash beer, uh, the Scaldi Porter Robust Porter. 
and I'm just showing the camera um, the artwork and it's one of my favorite labels. It has kind of a cloudburst um, head with different beautiful colors. Um, and just a reminder, we can be found on all your podcatchers as well as YouTube and the socials, um, Beer Ladies Podcast on Facebook and Beer Ladies Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also buy me a coffee or beer, um, which is another way that you can support us as we're self-funded. Um, so to kick us off, um, we're gonna start at the beginning with the history of porters and our historian Lisa is gonna uh, give <laughs> us the story. I'll give it a try and I'll, I'll apologize listeners if my voice is a little weird. I did have to do some shouting from the, the touchline at soccer for my daughter's uh, game a little earlier today. So we're, we're working with what we have, but do a shout um, out there to baby bows. Will we? Yes. Baby bows. Yay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was good fun. And at least it didn't rain. So we will take it, but it, you know, Porter is an interesting one because they, you know, there, there's this, there's this definite tie with stout and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but I think like with so many other beer styles, there are some things we have to debunk because for years and years and years, uh, you, there, there's been the story that uh, Ralph Harwood in Shoreditch in 19, or sorry, in 1722 invented, which I'm putting in big air quotes, Porter, and that he did it as a more convenient form of the three threads, which is uh, for, for those not super into their 18th century beer history, this would have been essentially three different beers blended together, a fresh brown beer, uh, which was probably a mild, a pale ale that had been matured for a while, and a, a what we would call a stale brown beer. Now, to, to us, that sounds kind of weird and, and maybe a little bit gross, too, but... Uh, that was popular at the time. You know, again, the three threads is something you see a lot if you read enough kind of um, things about 18th and even 17th century commercial beer history. But the important thing about this is that it's all lies. There's absolutely no real evidence that this was something that happened. Um, you know, definitely three threads was a real thing that was very much around, but there's no proper evidence that this is where Porter came from. And lots of shout outs as, as per usual when we're talking beer history to Martin Cornell, who not only sort of debunked this myth and he points out that it comes from one source from around 1840. It doesn't, there's nothing else that, you know, sort of ties into anything, but uh, he does, you know, sort of uh, go into what was really happening here. Is it more likely in fact that, you know, that this does start in London. So it eventually makes its way over here later. Well, we'll get to that, but there is a London brown beer. It is popular with the porters, although not necessarily the market porters. That's something else he's, he's sort of debunked. It looks more like it's your railway and river porters who were drinking this. So very much kind of a working man's drink initially, mm -hmm. but it eventually becomes the most popular style out there. And it's not what we would think about uh, insofar as what we think of Porter today for the most part, although we might argue we're, we're coming back around to that because it would have been much hoppier although not necessarily fresh hopped. Again, these things tended to be matured for a while. So they've gone sort of, you know, been passed around a little bit. But what's what's interesting is that, um, you know, they typically would have been stored for many months before they would get out and about in the world. So they probably would have had a lot of Britannomyces, a lot of sort of souring kind of things. But again, it might've also been stored for so long that they were quite mellow by the time they mm -hmm. got to people, but they do have this dark color. And that's probably something that needs a little bit more, 
I, I would say research, but I think, but we're going to get the goods because Martin Cornell does have a book on Porter coming out later this year. So Brilliant. very much looking forward to that. He's been doing amazing work on it, but I think it's really, really interesting that, you know, Porter sort of starts out as this working man's drink becomes wildly popular everywhere where sort of English and Irish style beers are going. And in fact, I know we mentioned this on our IPA uh, episode, it's actually much, much, much more popular in the export trade than IPA. It is in fact the primary thing that is being exported to India insofar as that's a thing that's happening. So that's the very, very, very quick sort of potted history of Porter. But we will, I think, as we get through talk about, well, how does Stout figure into this? And are they kind of the same thing? What's a plain Porter versus not? And is a pint of plain a stout or a porter and are we incorrectly <laughs> saying it when we're talking about a Guinness so much much more to unpack there but I think before we get into that we probably want to talk a little bit about some of the how is it made now and how is that different so lots before of technical get stuff to, that, to get into that, that myth is so pervasive yes mm-hmm. yes everywhere because yeah. I was doing my research for this episode and everywhere was quoting that they you know they mixed the three different types of beer uh and that's where Porter came from. And I was like, no, that's not right. You know, <laughs> it's not right. And, and you know, I know. And I think it's one reason that is such a pervasive myth is, it, you know, people picked up on it in kind of the, the 1990s, early 2000s. And we're like, oh, twas ever thus. And then when they're kind of reviving Porter, I think it just kind of went from there. So all of your microbreweries from that period were sort of, you know, sharing out this kind of dodgy history. And now we're stuck with it. And here it is. But again, <laughs> Martin's book will come out and I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll do some good uh, speaking engagements and so on and can help say, no, no, this didn't happen. So. But then Lisa, what was the historical context as to why Porter became so popular? You know, what was it about Porter that was different from the beers of the day that that made it so wildly popular? That, it's such an interesting question, and I, I think he is going to try to answer some of that more in the book. I did hear him on, on a good podcast last year talking a bit about it, and I think it it hits this magical uh, sort of spot of being tasty and being affordable, and then also something that could be transported and, and really kind of, you know, yeah. not, in, not quite in the IPA story, survive the trip, but you could throw a lot at it. But I think mm. there, there's probably something else, too, with... Um, you know, maybe the color also just gave people kind of a, a confidence in it because this is before your, you know, your clear, you know, sparkly things become popular. So I, I think there's a, a mixture of relatively inexpensive materials and something that just people liked and could afford. So it's it's funny that it, it starts off as sort of a working man's drink, then becomes really widespread then kind of goes back to sort of potentially a working man's drink again. And now is back out in the world again in different uh, different guises. But it's, it's such an interesting sort of rise and fall and, and rise again, or at least hopefully rise again, because I think we all love porters. We want to see more of them. So let's, let's hopefully, uh, you know, get more out into the world. It's just like everything is cyclical, you know? It's exactly. like yeah. it's like clear IPA, hazy IPA. Let's go back to clear IPA. <laughs> exactly. And I, I found that as well. Um, I was reading a bit from Mark Dredge's books, and hmm. um, he was... Uh, comparing stouts and porters actually and says that the porter did come first and was known as London's beer um, Mm. being a dark ale and that the term stout uh, became applied to existing beer types um, to signify that it was stronger and there were different Mm. kind of subtypes such as the brown stout or the stout porter. 
And eventually stout just meant strong, dark beer and then dark beer. And there were connotations such as wholesome or healthy that were attached to it. Yeah, um, marketing's and- greatest achievement. <laughs> Guinness is good for you, right? Yeah. Or it makes you strong. And porters were kind of seen as more old fashioned and really just got left by the wayside. And I think there was something to do with the war rations um, hitting the brewers. And then they kind of, the porters kind of fell off the map. Um, but then in the US and the UK, craft breweries kind of brought them back with this resurgent, um, resurgence. And today, uh, most of what I read said that there is no real definable difference between the two styles of stout and porter. Um, But stouts might have more of like the roasted barley bitterness than porters, um, which are lighter in body than a stout. And they would tend to be low to moderate um, hop flavor and roasty malted character. And I think that's why like right now, in winter like it's such a like nice nice drink to have by the fire you know and um I think there was also something about the big city brewers with the economies of scale like they were able to industrialize more um when they were uh developing the style of porter and they just had they had the market and you know people that were brewing in the smaller country towns were just making the ales um a couple of quick uh notes um glassware i know i don't have the correct one today but um in case you're wondering a mug a stein tankard or pint glass would be appropriate and the serving temperature should be moderate at 9 to 11 degrees celsius which is 48 to 52 degrees fahrenheit I'm going to say I've got the right glassware, even though I'm not you drinking. do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tammy has just... the correct branded one too. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something we can dive into a little bit more too, is, is that, that bit around sort of trade, because there is a fun, specifically Irish uh, anecdote around why Jonathan Swift said English Porter was only fit for swine because again, it's uh <laughs> It's it's fascinating stuff, but I got I'll hold that one. We'll we'll get back to that as okay. we get into more stuff. I think there's many more things to discuss, but it it is a good uh, it is a good story, and I think for, for Irish listeners, you could be like, oh, I see what you did there. So. <laughs> um, oh, so how do you make it, Tandy? Oh my gosh! Well, okay. So if we're talking about the fact that start and porter is a little bit much of a muchness at the moment. You know, they're, they're, they're not very different. So they'll be made quite a, quite a similar way. So we're talking about 70 to 80% is going to be your pale malt base. If you're going for an English porter, you want to use an English malt. So something like a Maris Otter. But then the other 20 to 30% of your grist is going to be made up on a number of different things, depending on what you're going for. So if you're going to go for a bit more brady, biscuity, um, nutty flavors, you might have a lot more sort of crystal malts in your in your in your in your brewing mash um, schedule. If you're wanting a lot of chocolate, you might have brown malts or chocolate malts in there, or again a small amount of crystal. And if you are looking for more of a coffee flavor, which actually traditionally isn't really present in a porter, but it is present in a stout, um, you'd go for um, unmalted roasted grains so 
How's that? Uh, yes. So is, yes. Mm-hmm. So there is this weird difference when you're brewing that I don't know how true it is, to be honest. So I'll put it out to the crowds. But the one difference that I found within the BJCP anyway is that porters are said to be made from roasted, malted grains, whereas stouts are unmalted roasted grains. So if you really wanted to be kind of true to style, you could stick with the malted roasted grains for a porter. Um, but Honestly, and for the, for, the, for the stupid people out there like me, what is the difference between, what was it, malted roasted yeah. grain and unmalted? Right. Yeah, no, good, no, good question. Right. So, right? so for, those, for those who haven't listened already, we did, a, we did a great episode on malt 101. And that was now a little while back. So go back and listen to that. But for, for the shorthand, so when you're malting your grains, what you're doing is you're tricking it into thinking it's going to grow into a plant but what we do is we soak it just enough so that it starts to sprout and cracks that husk open to reveal all of the starchy sugars inside that cereal grain now what that does is it allows us to get to those starchy sugary things in the middle and that gives us the body and the sweetness that we'd get from from brewing with it otherwise you know without malting our grains we are not going to get a whole lot of sweetness we get a whole lot of husky bitterness now it's kind of important because in stouts you actually want that sort of toasty roasty almost slightly too bitter um taste from your from your malt but in porter it's not as important it's not as characteristic you're wanting it to be a little bit more smooth so therefore you don't really go for the unmalted um grains in this case and one of the really big um one of the really big downfalls of people who enter into homebrew competitions with porters and with starts sometimes is using too much. Too much unmalted grain gives you an extremely bitter, acrid beer. So you've got to be quite careful with those ones, um, which is why I think a lot of people actually steer clear of it. But if you are going to use it, just be careful. You don't want to do too much of it. You can, you can get your flavors, depending on what you're going for, you can get your flavors by using brown malts, chocolate malts, and then your variety of crystals. So whether they're lightly crystallized or quite heavy, heavily crystallized, um, you can get you can get your different flavors from there. But it might be worthwhile to say that there are differences between the different kinds of porters, which yeah. I'm sure, Katie, you want to maybe take us through the different kinds of porters that we get. Yeah, and you can hop in here and help me with like brewing stuff. So For I'm going sure. to start with like brown porter, which seems mm-hmm. to be the quite traditional English style porter. Very quite low ABV, very malty. So picking up there on what Tandy was saying, it's like it's it's kind of sweet. It's a sweetish kind of flavor. Um, and that would have been apparently the traditional one. And then oh, what did they <laughs> maybe we don't know? Uh they exported this right to um the Baltic region. And what they did is they slightly adapted it by, I believe, using a different different yeast mm-hmm. strain. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And they came up with their their Baltic porter, which yeah. is made with a lager yeast. Exactly. So if yeah, you, if you bring the two, so a Baltic porter has effectively the same grain bull and even the same hops as as an English porter, but instead of using an English ale yeast strain, it's going to use a lager strain, and therefore your temperature control is going to be a bit different on it. Mm-hmm. It's going to ferment at a lower temperature, and you're going to age it and lager it. And like, what yeah. and what it does to it is it gives it a much cleaner finish so instead of it being a little bit fruity a little bit 
caramelly, you know, all of the sort of residual flavors that you get from English style yeast or ale yeasts in general. Lager yeast will give you a much cleaner sort of bradier finish. So that's the really big difference between those two. Yeah. And I like, I like that they like adapted it for their, they were like, oh, we like this. Let's make it ourselves, but make it better. You know, if you think it's better, I think it is. And if you ever want to find Baltic um, porters in Ireland, your Polsky Sklep. Yeah. Okay. Your Polish shop, they have a great selection of them. Um, Then when port, so I suppose Americans kind of decided that they would do the same thing. And that's where you get your robust porter is more of an American type porter. Um, and it's not as dark, apparently. It's, it's, you can kind of see the light through it a little bit. If we hold up our, hold up, what, what, what are they looking like? They're all very dark, yeah. right? They're very yeah, I feel dark. like you can definitely get some, some robust porters that have a kind of almost ruby yeah. know, kind yeah. of characteristic. Yeah. And they've uh, more of a head than I suppose an English porter would have or a brown brown porter, mm. you know? Um, yeah. So. Um, and then the main characteristic is obviously more hops. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, the, the style, if we're talking about the, the balance of flavor within the style itself, it does have some bitterness. You know, it's not going to be one of these styles that is so malt forward that you don't taste the bitterness. The bitterness should always be there in a porter. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that the hoppiness is really dialed up in American porters. Yeah. So you might get a lot of the hoppy flavors. Um, and and because they'd be using American type hops, so cascades and citrus and, mm-hmm. and all of the really um, citrusy, grapefruity, tropical, floral, or not floral, those ones, the, the, the flavor profile is a little different, even though the bitterness is fairly low between all of them. They're, you know, we're talking IVUs of an English porter is like 18 to 35. Um, out of a hundred, this is basic, you know, basically yeah. out of a hundred. Um, American porters are twenty-five to fifty, so it can be dialed up quite a lot. But even the English porter can be pretty bitter. And also, don't forget, because when you use roasted malts in in a beer, it adds to the. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Perception of bitterness, even if it's not actual hot bitterness, it does add to that sense of bitterness, which is why um, you can use a, a balance between sort of roasted malts and hops to get you the right balance of perceived bitterness, even though your hops only add 70% of that or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And then also you have, like uh, Lisa is drinking a vanilla porter, but you get oatmeal porters, you can get smoked porters. Yeah. You can get plum porter. You can, you know, add lots of things to your porter. Right. You could could barrel age them. Um, I mean, I think there's been a lot of innovation recently um, with all the styles, um, but in my head, traditionally, I would have thought of, you know, top fermenting yeast and focus on dark malts and not so much a focus on hops. But as we've just discovered in the last few minutes, like that's not necessarily always true. Um, But I think, would it be fair to say for ABV, we're looking at like four to 5.5%? Is that what yours are? These aren't going to, well, they should, traditionally they shouldn't be blowing your your mind with with their abv you know yeah yeah except for the, the baltic, baltic quarter yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah baltic ones Snap. are gonna be up there yeah yeah baltic yeah. quarters are quite high so they're anything from six and a half up to like nine and a half percent mm. so those are quite quite a bit stronger than than your regular porters mm-hmm. yeah and here's something i've often wondered about or i would say maybe wondered about over more the last you know five or six years where we've seen a lot more sort of, sort of people trying to make really strong beers for, for one reason or another is that, you know, you'll see things that are imperial porters and you're like, well, so it's a stout, like what is it? <laughs> but um, okay. But equally like, or is it a Baltic porter, but they didn't want to have to explain to people what it was, which is, mm. which is fair enough. If you, if you've got sort of um, if you know, if you're trying to get it out there alongside something very kind of um, easy drinking, it's, it's not going to be that, but you know, I wonder is that, why it's positioned that way and I think to, to go back to the point around robust porter um you know like you say a lot of those in America will be will be a little bit stronger I know Martin Cornell will say you know historically robust porter doesn't exist which is which is true it doesn't exist historically but it clearly exists now so it's sort of how do we how do we think about these different things that kind of overlap and I, I think there's still a sort of broad perception amongst people who are a little bit less beer nerdy that you know your porter is just less strong than your stout, which again, broadly true, but then you throw in a Baltic porter, you're not expecting that. What What is due to your head? So I, I just wonder what that journey is like for people who are maybe less familiar with, with the style. Like, is it getting confusing all these different labels? And like you say, then you can put a lot of different things in it. It's such a good base to experiment with. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we've, we've mentioned a lot of different, um, descriptors here uh light to dark brown caramel creamy smoke coffee chocolate I mean who wouldn't love it like it's just it's such a lovely style and I think it was the first um, mass-produced beer but then the London Porter anyway kind of fell out of favor um, because of the heavy uh taxation on the grains and the hops um but I mean it's obviously made quite a comeback so 
Um, do you guys have any favorite porters that we haven't mentioned or any breweries that you'd like to see make one or? Oh, I, I do have a favorite one that's now no longer made or no longer made very often, but uh, Trogues in, in Pennsylvania in America uh, used to bring out every year for Halloween their Dead Reckoning Porter, which is a very hoppy porter and it is glorious. Such a wonderful beer and amazing on cask too, but I, I think they've stopped doing it or are not doing it as often. And I would just put that out there in the world. Please do it more often and send some to Ireland, maybe. Or, you know, <laughs> someone here can also just make a very hoppy porter. Go go for it, guys. It's really lovely. So, yeah. Trogue's Dead Reckoning, a favorite. <laughs> yeah, there's also, there's an Irish one that's really nice. They do an oatmeal porter. 12 Acres. I can't remember the name of the brewery. They're in Leach and they grow their yeah. own grain. What, what are they? 12 Acres. I think 12 Acres, yes. Is yes. it there called Winter is Coming? Yes, or? yes. it's a fabulous porter. Yeah. It's a lovely portion. Really, it's yeah. such a good one. Oh, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, at least the, the of the ones that I've tasted recently, that one's stood out to me as been a really, really good porter. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Absolutely love it. But yeah, I'd, I'd be keen. Lisa, come, let's circle back to your stories about porters for well, for English, not not for English swine. Tell me, tell me the rest. Yes, of that so it, it, it's a funny one again. All all credit to Martin Cornell for for digging up this this wonderful little anecdote. But in October of 1736, uh, Jonathan Swift, so everyone in Ireland, Dean Swift, so a dean of St Patrick's Cathedral here in Dublin, uh, published this real sort of vitriolic attack on English porter. And um, give a little more background too. The one of the recent episodes of. Um, Uh, of Three Castles Burning did a whole interesting thing on Jonathan Swift, his relationship with the poor and working classes in Dublin and, um, you know, the complexities, they're really, really interesting. But I think it's important to know for background here that he was really, really trying to kind of raise up the local trade, really get people to basically buy local, shop local instead of relying on English imports. Even though, again, he was also sort of a weird snob in certain ways and wanted to be living in London and there's there's all kinds of really interesting stuff here but you know Jonathan Swift much more than writing Gulliver's Travels he did all kinds of interesting stuff and I I think especially here in Dublin we we know him for a bit more as well but he uh, wrote essentially this attack on um, English porter which was being imported and he says um, he says English porter was made of the worst malt which is sent from all parts of the country for that use and consequently nothing but gin exceeds it for badness and that the smell of <laughs> London porter was sufficient for any creature above a swine. And he said, Irish publicans selling English beers. Uh, it, and I think this is something we still see in some places, liquors inferior to those manufactured in Ireland, but esteemed because they are foreign. So you know, you're, it's fancy because it's from somewhere else. But the reason this has only sort of more recently been discovered is he wrote it under a pseudonym, and it's a wonderful pseudonym, Jeffrey Jinglestaff. So... He wrote a lot of things under pseudonyms. Uh, this was a very common thing amongst sort of learned men of the 18th century. This is just, you know, what we did. But again, really good. Um, you know, we, we'll put a link to it in the show notes on uh, how we're pretty sure that this is, in fact, Jonathan Swift. But it's really fascinating because, you know, we're looking, you know, 1736. You know, we're not making a ton of London Porter here in Dublin yet. But of course, it's all about to kick off. You know, Arthur Guinness is going to be like, oh, People like that, and you know the, the world will change, but uh, hasn't hasn't quite happened yet. So it's it's really really interesting though that he's saying, you know, why are you guys buying all this foreign crap? You know, there's other stuff that's you know just as good, and they even list specific uh, 
you know, specific pubs that are selling the uh, the English Porter. Unfortunately, I don't think any of them are uh, still around, but, you know, that would be an interesting tour if we could kind of go and figure out where they all were. So oh, fascinating, would, fascinating stuff. That yeah. would be fabulous, wouldn't it? I think so. I think so. Yeah, because we, we do have, um, and I don't think this was him, but but someone else in the same uh in, in the same paper some years later since it is hoped the importation of this liquor will be stopped and that several of our brewers have at this time a liquor equal in taste and goodness to the best London porter. But you know that's about 25, 30 years off still before Guinness is really going to happen. But isn't that interesting that, you know, he's sort of foreshadowing kind of this, you know, huge giant. It hasn't happened yet, but he's saying, guys, shop local, shop local. And, you know, eventually... You know, the tide turns. So fascinating <laughs> stuff. It was that myth about um, about Guinness using um, unmalted roasted grains to avoid mm. tax on, uh, on on grains because they, they were imported from the UK and otherwise. But that apparently is a myth, so I don't want to spread it. But it was kind of funny, <laughs> only in the sense that, you know, sometimes stories are... They're appealing because they sound nice, not just yeah. because they're true. Yeah. But it was one of those things that, you know, the reason that, that Guinness is, you know, so popular was because it was able to to brew, um, you know, these stouts, these these lovely stouts um, with a different thing and get away with the, with a bit of a sneaky tax thing. But mm-hmm. <laughs> pity it's not true because the story's great. Now, I have a question. Um, like stouts, would you find nitrogenated porters? Oh, that's a good question. I've definitely seen one or two, but I wonder, I, 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 in fact, I remember thinking at the time, I wonder if it's because they had run out of whatever stout they had and we're like, well, we've got a porter. We'll stick some nitro in and see what happens. But yeah, I can't, I can't remember if I've ever seen one, but I, I can't see why you wouldn't put a yeah. porter I mean, on nitro. I mean, I've seen red ales and IPAs yeah. on nitro. So hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, I couldn't see why not. Yeah. Listen, the, um, the more we talk about beer styles, the more you realize like how many things are just so similar to each other. And, you know, you know, the differences between a start and a porter are so close. And then if you think of, you know, a porter, a, a London porter and an American porter and a Baltic porter, you know, besides things like ABV or, or yeasts, which are kind of fundamental, but they're actually very close. You know, they're just, they're darker multi beers with some hoppiness or some bitterness. Yeah, and, and, and is rest- a red ale a brown ale, and is a brown yeah. ale then a porter? And do they all, you know, do they all? <laughs> is it a spectrum that just, yeah? Um, now, is a porter something you would oh. drink in the summer? I would. I would. Hmm. I know it's a- maybe cooler than the nine degrees. Maybe a little <laughs> bit cooler than probably as advertised, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I feel like I drink fewer Baltic porters in the summer, which is kind of odd because they do have that, like you're saying, that clean taste. Mm. But it, there's something about it. I guess it's just because it's stronger. Strong. I tend to shy away from them in the summer. But again, they, they have that different, you know, kind of flavor profile. So it's it's a good question. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, even Baltic porter, like what really is the difference between a Baltic porter and a dark lager or a Schwarz beer? Yeah, you like know? a strong Schwarz beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn it guys <laughs> we're, we're just revealing that all beer is actually the same like, come on. yeah all <laughs> those not. people are like i don't beer it's all i don't like beer it's all the same we're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like okay. when people say i don't like fish and it's like oh my god there are so many different types of fish out there how can you hate them all that's yeah. true you know? 
That's true. Same with beer. There's one out there for everyone. <laughs> oh, I fully believe that. Um, but it's funny because people will say, oh, I don't like stout. You know, it's so heavy and it's so, you know, alcoholic or whatever the mm. case is. But, but you know, often often a stout reporter is less ABV and less, yeah. less yeah. body and less heavy than a pale sure. ale or a lager or something else. So I, yeah. I never understand that connotation. Yeah, I think there's definitely a perception of it being like a meal or being like very calorific and... Yeah. It, it must have started somewhere somehow, but it's definitely not true for me anyway. Um, but I, I would yeah. like to see more um, low or no, non-alcoholic um, stouts and porters myself. Like, I feel like that there aren't maybe as many as I'd like to see. But Yeah, I, I was excited to see that in the States, Deschutes is bringing out a non-alcoholic version of their Black Butte Porter, which is a wonderful oh. beer, a fantastic one. And, and it's one of those that... I, th- I think in some cases, because it's sort of easy to get, people forget that it's there and kind of overlook it for things that are mm. harder to get. Or, you know, but it's a wonderful beer, absolutely recommend it. I'm really curious to try the, the non-alcoholic version. And because I, I think, you know, the Guinness one being so well done, I think there's a lot of scope with stouts and, uh, you know, other stouts and porters to do something really interesting. Because at least you've, you've got a little more to play with, you know, if you like flavor-wise than you might with a paleo or, or something. It's, sure. uh, although again, it's, you know, they're, they're hard to do well. So it's, you got to crack that nut, but I would love yeah. to see it. And can you think of any other flavors such as your vanilla one um, that you've seen in a porter, like maybe a cherry or? Um... I've had, yeah, I've had a black cherry stout and porter actually. And sometimes that can be a little much. It can almost get into a kind of cough medicine kind of mm, flavor, but I think yeah. if it's done well. It can be really nicely, really nicely balanced. And, and I think there are a lot of kind of, um, you know, sort of breakfast stouts and porters where they can throw almost anything in, whether that's sort of a maple syrup or, uh, mm, you know, that kind meal. of thing, which again, yeah. sometimes can be a little much for me anyway. Other people probably love it. Coffee, certainly. I don't like coffee, so I don't like a coffee porter, but there are so many out there now. I think that's an interesting one. But see, I think a coffee porter is just a start. Like, I wonder. You know, because because honestly, the 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 difference that I always had in my head now, whether it was real or not, but the difference I had in my head was that porters are chocolate and caramel starts are chocolate and coffee. Mm, interesting. So yeah. I, I know that that's a weird way to distinguish between them, but because, because starts can be a little bit more toasted and a little bit more almost bitter, like bitter coffee. Like I always think coffee flavors are for stout and the rest is for everything else. But so, so if you put coffee into a porter, I'm going to call it a start, probably. <laughs> and again, perception well, is reality. Yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> it would be an interesting blind taste test, um, you know, to compare the smells and the flavors and then reveal what the labels were. Because um, mm. mm. they do look a lot alike on the mm. surface. So, yeah. But but you see, it's one of those things. And I'm, I know I'm probably a stuck record at this point with this sentiment, but I my feeling is that brewers, because brewing or selling beer is effectively a marketing practice, it's not a brewing practice, you know, people can kind of say what they want. So whether you're talking about double dry hopped as a marketing term, or whether you're talking about coffee porters, like for me, that's, it's just marketing. It's, yeah. it's, it's got nothing to do with the beer. And I, I think you and I've talked about um, session ales versus pale ales, yeah. and some of the other very similar styles yeah. as well. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I think maybe that's just thinking about that sort of those sort of sub distinctions to go back to the idea of, you know, a pint of plain is your only man. So, you know, that would be talking about a plain porter as opposed to an extra stout or, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we no one understands those gradations anymore. Okay, I'm not going to say no one because there's a lot of nerds like us on beer Twitter who are going to be very you know, very saying, no, 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 which is good. We love you guys. So bring it. We, we love it. But uh, I think it's, you know, it's kind of a, a lost distinction, if you like, because I think certainly here, if someone orders a pint of plane, they're probably getting a Guinness, but yeah. it really should be for a porter. And, and I love like the porterhouse yeah. plane, wonderful porter. So it's, yeah. uh, but I think that's kind of been lost over the, probably over the last, like maybe 15 to 20 years, that kind of you know, almost folk memory of it, if you like. Is so. that a distinctly Irish thing, Lisa? I feel like that the poem is certainly Irish, and so mm. that's I think probably where it where it goes. But I I do wonder. There's probably some work to be done there. Is you know, did people have that distinction originally, like when it was kind of you know a London based thing, or did that kind of arise once it started really being made here? Because I think you know, to your point around marketing, you know, was that all sort of in Arthur Guinness's head, and mm. you know, the people working for him, and did they start to, uh, you know, sort of get these different labels on things because mm. yes there are differences between certainly like you you know your your extra stout your foreign extra stout and you know your plain but uh they've they're all I, I don't want to say meaningless now but I think they've certainly lost mm. or, or at least the meaning has changed and that's okay things can evolve and change mm-hmm. but I, I do yeah. wonder how much you know again to get to the idea of like a blind taste test could what would that what would that look like if you're like, no, no, plain versus extra versus, you know, <laughs> and I like to think uh, Guinness has a Dublin Porter that I've only seen like there at, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I've seen like at the open gate and uh, in, uh, in in the storehouse, it's like two, three, two or three percent, lovely, lovely beer and would love to have it more available, but uh, doesn't seem to make the rounds very often. Yeah, I think the the West Indies Porter is the one that I've seen more yeah. in a lot of the shops mm. that's readily available um, yeah. from them. Yeah. Um, so does anyone have any final questions, concerns, comments? <laughs> sounds, like a, there sounds like a bad meeting. <laughs> any complaints? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I suppose then we can wrap things up. I would like to say thank you to my co-hosts, Tandy, <laughs> Katie and Lisa and remind our listeners to like, rate, share, subscribe, review, and tell a friend. Um, We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as buy me a coffee. And you can find us on wherever you listen to your podcast, as well as YouTube. And with that, we will say cheers and have a good week. Bye. Bye everyone. And I'm sorry. I'm so hungover. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.